episode of the Red Arrow Health and Wellness Podcast. I am your co-host, Marco Tomasi, along with my lovely wife, Jessica Tomasi. How's it going, sweetie? It's going well. All right. First off, before we get into everything and explaining why we're here, what we're doing, who we are, and also what we have coming up and the segments ahead, what are you drinking tonight, sweetie? Angel's Envy. Very nice. Mm-hmm. It's very tasty. I don't know how to talk about whiskey. <laughs> well, it's very relaxing. How about that? There you go. Well, I'm going with a uh, Wilderness Trail bourbon. Very nice. Very smooth. Loving it. By the way, is Angel's Envy sponsoring us? No, they are not. And is Wilderness Trail sponsoring us? Also, no, no, they are not. But they are tasty, and it is fun to relax at the end of the night. All right. And, you know, for those who know us, and most of the people out there don't know us, uh, how many kids do we have, sweetie? We have four. Oh, my God. We have four kids. Four young kids. So, for us, part of what this podcast is, is a chance for us to sit down and have a opportunity to talk to each other, have an adult conversation with clearly with adult beverages uh, and just relax and talk about topics we want to talk about without uh, short people with small ears. We're always listening and commenting on what we have to say. Perfect venue for this. Mm -hmm. Uh, What else and why else are we here? We're looking to better ourselves. We've been working on this for a while on how to better ourselves, be better versions of ourselves. Uh, and really, you know, not just, um, not just lose weight, but be generally healthier, better quality of life. And there's just something about the way we were brought up in our education and our way we grew up. We want to share that with others. Uh, so we've been working on this for a while, uh, and looking at different ways to kind of get that message out, share this information. We tried video blog, video blogs, v-blogs, whatever they're called. We looked into that for a while. We had a variety of experts uh, who were trying to share information with us, but really having a venue where, you know, for two people doing this on the side, uh, really having something that made sense where it didn't need huge resources online, uh, it just was cumbersome. And it didn't make sense unless we were really going big time with consulting and making money off it and really doing kind of a, uh, what was that one site, a guru.com type thing, which is really not what we're looking for. Uh, We're really trying to get this out to a broad audience to share, you know, look, we're two parents, we're two working professionals, uh, just trying to look at the end of a long day, motivating ourselves to go work out, to go be healthier, live a healthier lifestyle, uh, to also, and how, how do we work through this and raise our kids and share the tips and the knowledge we have along with the ups and downs uh, and get that out there because, you know, we're not perfect people. No, we're not. We're not, you know, look, we got good days and bad days as parents, just like everybody else. Uh, and I know when, you know, I was trying to fight and lose weight, there was nothing more frustrating than somebody who's probably never been over 150 pounds their entire life trying to tell somebody who at one point was over 300 pounds, well, this is what you got to do to lose weight. Like, how would you know? 
have you ever gone through this? Have you ever suffered through this and fought through it? Um, because no, you can't relate. Uh, well, you know, we have, we're still going through it. Made a lot of progress. Uh, we've been through those ups and downs, still going through it. So, you know what, uh, if it helps to hear what we're going through and what we've been working on and the successes we had, great. That's why this is here. That's why we're sharing it. Oh, what isn't this might be an also helpful for the audience. Uh, we, well, we are not selling magical shakes. We are not selling the super supplements. We are not selling snake oil or other such silver bullet solutions. There's plenty of those out on the market. You know, whether they claim to work, well, they all claim to work. Do they work? Gosh, I really don't think so. I don't think uh, so either. You know what? They're all going to say they do. But uh, you know what? That's not what we're selling. Actually, we're not even we're not really selling, selling that anything. anything. We're just sharing. But uh, we're not selling that kind of stuff. We're not selling, you know, what's that? It seems like every few years, somebody's got some electrical device you hook up to your muscles. And, oh, just sit still and you'll get six-pack abs. I didn't like Bruce Lee have one of those things where something electrodes through? And I don't know. I think when I was a kid, my dad bought one of those things off an infomercial. There's and it was, also... It was the, like a gas grill lighter. There's also the butt jiggler where you the stand up. The butt jiggler? Yeah, you stand up in front of it and the strap goes around behind your bottom and it holds you in place and then you turn it on and it shakes your butt didn't they have that like at like the kellogg institute back in whatever it when it was still a sanitarium when they were trying to discover cornflakes who knows ah who knows anyway that's not what we're doing here we're not doing seaweed wraps although i'm sure those make your skin wonderful i guess i don't know i'm not a spa dude um but if you enjoy going to those more power to if they give you mental you know peace of mind just to go and relax and you know have a facial great i'm sure they make your face great they do by the way okay facials are awesome but in terms of like having somebody rub your head and having you lose weight no that's never gonna work if only if only look if if that was the case i'd lay there and take a nap you can rub my head all you want if i'm gonna lose weight just laying around um (laughs) i know for me uh, that's not happening it has not happened you know you know in the 40 years of my life that I've been laying around and losing weight. I've laid around and gained a lot of weight over the years, but not the other way around. Um, so here we are. We're two, as we said, not perfect humans. Uh, we have a lot of flaws, just like everyone else. We're parents doing the best we can. We have our ups and downs. We have good days and bad days. I'm sure our kids will attest to that. Lord only knows what our parents say about or our kids say about us when they go to school. Like our parents did this or that. But then again, don't everybody's kids do that? And isn't everyone kind of wondering what the hell did our kids say about us at school? They for sure do. Yeah. So that's us. Uh, But there's one other piece to it, too. Uh, We have graduate degrees in behavioral psychology. Uh, And we specialize in behavior change, at least professionally. Uh, And, you know, there's a long saying and. You know, I learned it coming up through school, and it's never judge a behavior analyst, never judge a behavioral psychologist on their own behavior, because it's easier to preach than to do. And that's something we've been trying to do for a while now with this, is change what we do 
And that's what we're also trying to share. Uh, so, you know, I always found it interesting when I was, you know, I'm also a coach. And so when going through this, I'll have coaching tips to share. And I coach track and cross country and occasionally hockey. Uh, but it was interesting starting out with coaching and being so large. And it's like, really, what does the fat guy know about running? Well, now they're a little bit more receptive now that I'm less fat. Mm-hmm. But still, uh, it's the same way when you go in and you work in a business setting or you work. Remember early on in our careers when we're working in schools and then you get a parent go, well, what do you know about child behavior? You don't have children. Yes. Yeah. There's always that mentality of you don't have kids. Well, you can't possibly know what this is like. Just not exactly true. Having kids gives you a different perspective for sure. And you can see things through a different angle. But even without kids, you can appreciate what parents are going through with kids who are acting out or acting in a way that they don't find appropriate. Yes. I would back then, you know, back in your 20s and it's like you had some somebody coming in yelling at, what do you know about behavior? You don't know anything about behavior. It's like I literally teach the course in behavior in the psychology department. I know a thing or two. Let me help you. Um, definitely more helpful now going, I can help you. And oh, by the way, I have kids. Yes. Or oh, by the way, I've been obese. Yep. And I'm still overweight, but working on it. Almost at my target weight. Uh, so we've got both pieces. Of it. We've got that. We've been there, done that. And also we've got the the schooling, the book learning, so to speak. We've been there. We, you know, we've read all the books. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Uh, uh, We've we have the education to back it up. Uh, So hopefully with all that put together and fingers crossed, we finally found a way to get the message out and share it and want to share some other things we've got going on um, that we've enjoyed over time. Hopefully, hopefully we found the right way to really disseminate the message. So what do we have coming up? Uh, Quite a few things. Uh, We're not going to be able to get it all out in one podcast, uh, one episode. Because the goal is really to keep these uh, to an hour, something you can listen to uh, if you're in a larger area. We used to live out in the D.C. area, so we know what it's like to be stuck in traffic for an hour. Or stuck on the metro. Or stuck on the metro. Or stuck, you know, wherever. Uh, We want to keep it about an hour. Ideally, this is going to be a weekly podcast. I think initially we've got several lined up that we're just going to crank out quickly uh, to kind of get through the intros, to get through, you know, what is this podcast? Who are we? Uh, Layout, we've got a red arrow challenge that I've got to describe and discuss uh, and get that kicked off. And once that thing is going, we'll, of course, be discussing that every week and, you know, who are who's on the leaderboard and everything. So there's audience participation. But it's going to take us a little bit to get that out. Uh, we also, of course, will be sharing our favorite recipes, other lifestyle tips. And then, like I said, I'm a coach on the side. Uh, I'll have some coaching tips and we'll see how it goes. Of course, I always like can't help myself but share how 
how my teams are doing and what not what's working and what is working. Um, but being a behavior guy, uh, I love data. And so I'll have data discussed there. We'll have data on how we're doing. And of course, we'll discuss the, the data on uh, coming in from the Red Arrow Challenge from all of you. But with that, let's move on to our first major segment of our first episode. All about Jessica. So, sweetie, so far, I've been doing most of the talking, allowing you to rest your pipes, because now it's your turn to do a lot of talking while I interview you. Great. This is going to feel really weird. It's extremely weird. It is extremely weird. So, tell us about you. Okay, so... (laughs) Where are you from, sweetie? Uh, That is actually a really complicated question. I think it'd be easy, but it's not. Um... So I was born in New Orleans, and then we started moving around. We moved a lot for my dad's work. Um, after New Orleans, we moved to Georgia, and then West Virginia, and then Virginia, and then Michigan. Uh, we moved to Michigan when I was about um, in the middle of fifth grade, and I was fortunate enough to stay here through undergrad. So I finished college, and then I moved down to Florida for grad school. Uh, so I'm kind of from everywhere along the East Coast. It's been nice. Very nice. And where's here? Here is also in Michigan. There you go. Yeah. And uh, do you anything special while you're here growing up? Meet anyone nice? I did. I met my lovely husband, Marco, while I was in high school. We met at my senior prom in a weird let's switch dates sort of situation with a friend of ours. What can I say? You're cute. <laughs> but back to you. What did you go to school for? I went to school for psychology. What did you originally go to school for? I actually started out school as pre-med. I wanted to be a, some form of pediatrician. And then got into it. The biology went well. Got into chemistry and realized, wow, I'm really bad at this. I don't understand this at all. So I had a tiny little breakdown, and then I decided to switch my major to psychology, and I was so much happier. And I uh, kept my minor as biology because I love it, and the rest of college went very well. What kind of psychology did you get into? Applied behavior analysis. Um, I went to Western Michigan University, and at the time... The psychology department was very behavioral. You couldn't even take a clinical class without there being a behavioral aspect to it. So I I jumped in there and I said, yeah, this is kind of cool. And I took a rat lab and that was amazing. And after that, I, I thought, well, I need to do a practicum experience since I'm majoring in this. And I decided to work with kids with autism. All right. Hang on. Back up for a minute. <laughs> Because you and I know what Rat Lab is. Oh. All right. And, but not everybody who listens to this knows what Rat Lab is. I mean, this isn't something that is in every college curriculum. I mean, you go off as an English major, an engineering major, you don't get the joy of taking Rat Lab. Uh, not to mention, I mean, there's other labs out there and they can be different things. 
So what is, for the people out there, what is Rat Lab? Okay, so Rat Lab is the laboratory experience that goes along with the Intro to Applied Behavior Analysis class. And what you do is you go to lecture and you learn about all these principles of ABA, and it's really cool. And then you go to Rat Lab and you get to actually experience them while you work with a rat. So you have your own little rat, and you get to put him in what's called a Skinner box, and you get to train them in doing all of these different behaviors. And how do you train them? Are you using, like, some sort of crazy shock or no. um, scaring him, or are you just talking very nicely to him? I did talk very nicely to my rat, and I also gave him lots of snuggles. Um, but we use uh, positive reinforcement, and with a rat, they basically have two forms of reinforcement. They've got food, and they've got water. Um, and at Western, we used water as their primary reinforcer. Excellent. So what kind of things for, did you shape your rat up to do? I taught my rat how to lift weights, and I taught him how to run in a hamster wheel in order to turn on a light so that he could lift those weights, and then he would get a, a chain that would fall down into the Skinner box. He'd have to pull that, and then another light would go on, and then he'd get to shoot a basketball. Awesome. And then he'd get a, a drop of water, and he would be a happy little rat. You remember what you used to tell me about your rat? Yes, I do. What? what? <laughs> I told you that my rat was a super genius. Because he was. And what happened on the day that I came to visit your class to help take pictures of your rat? I don't think that anyone wants to. Oh, come on. Your rat was in there eating his own feces. My rat. But he did all the tasks perfectly. And he knew when the lights were off, doing the next task wouldn't produce anything, so he didn't even bother. But then he turned around and ate his own feces. He did, because um, I later learned that actually that is a behavior that animals will sometimes engage in when they are distressed. So your rat was distressed? I think that he was feeling a little distressed because it was because a long was... chain of behaviors that I was Well, he had a person he do. wasn't used to and sticking and a camera a in his face. there was a man there yeah. taking pictures of him. Yes. While I was giving him snuggles. Did he normally eat his own poop? He did not. Okay. He really wasn't. And it really genius. probably was me. What was his name? His name was Mr. Bruto. I named him <laughs> I named him after my high school psychology teacher. And I did that because when he found out that I had been accepted to Western, he said, Oh, well if you study psychology, you get to take rat lab. And I said, No. That sounds horrible. And he said, no, it's a really fun class. You're really going to like it. It'll be great. And I said, absolutely not. I am not taking Rat Lab, and nobody can make me take it. And that will be the end of that. And then there I was, sitting in Rat Lab, holding a rat. Because there was no getting out of it. And it was fantastic. How gross did you think the rats were going to be when you went into Rat Lab? Mm, I actually didn't think they were going to be very gross. I was, I was more worried that they would bite us. Um, or that they would escape. Did you ever get bit? Uh, I think the first day he took a little nibble, and my TA, when I asked about it, because I was a little concerned, my TA said, no, he's just tasting you. It's okay. He won't, he won't always do that. What if he likes what he tastes? Well, <laughs> Clearly <laughs> you do. Yeah, it is. 
Oh, well. So you got out, you got out of rat lab. You learned the basics of behavior. You, you learned it in the classroom. You got to apply it to a rat. And then you graduate up and you get to go, you mentioned already, you got to go into the schools. And specifically one specifically designed for kids with disabilities, kids on the autism, spec, the autism spectrum disorder. That's a mouthful when you're drinking whiskey. It is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us about that and your experience. Okay. Not, clearly not, don't tell us about your clients, but no. let's um, keep this ethical. So I took my practicum in the summer, and every day I would drive up from my town, 45 minutes away from where my school placement was, and um, it was actually a preschool classroom for children with autism, and I was assigned to students, and my job there was to implement their behavior programs for the entire time that I had them. And we would do um, discrete trial training, which is a one-on-one -on -one training procedure where we would work on um, pre-learning academic skills. So we would work on sitting in the chair correctly. We'd work on waiting our turn. Um, maybe not getting up and dancing in the middle of our session. <laughs> A lot of clients did that. Um, did we, they have good moves? Yes, they did. They were fantastic. Um, we, we also uh, got to implement a little bit of behavior reduction programming at the same time. So I had one. What kind of things were you reducing? Tantrum behaviors and aggressive behaviors. Um, it was very common to have a child who would engage in um, biting or kicking and screaming and trying to run away. Biting of themselves or biting of you? Both. And, and both, you, you can't let that happen, so you have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. well, um, yeah. We also worked... For their safety, your safety, the safety of others. That's right. And let's see, we also worked on activities of daily living skills where we did toilet training and sometimes we would need to do like a how to feed yourself training because some kids don't know how to do that um we would and, and to be fair these are these are skills that everybody because they're daily living skills everybody needs to learn everyone you know not everyone but most typically or actually all typically developing uh, people do learn it's the same kind of things that other kids learn but you know, for these clients, doing it in a classroom. yeah, these clients are doing it in the classroom and they're often doing it a little bit later than others would have. Right. Typically before you go to preschool, you are potty trained and that's expected of you in a, in a typically developing preschool classroom. Whereas in this classroom, it was totally fine to send your kid to school in their pull-ups and we would work on learning how to go to the bathroom. And quickly fast forward through our lives, and what are we doing right now? Toilet training! With our fourth kid. Yay! Yay! Oh, how many years have we had diapers in this house? Ten and a half. Oh my god. Ten and a half years? Almost done. Almost done! So if she can get through the night without any accidents, we can finally be done with pull-ups. That's going to be amazing. Oh, it will be. We're going to have a toast on that day. Can you imagine how... <laughs> how empty our trash cans are be when we're not putting 
diapers in them. It really is going to be the most magical week ever. Oh, I know. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. So anyway, back to let's back up. Back to uh, you were working. You worked with kids with autism. You had your first practicum. What else did you do after that? I did um, quite a few research um, classes. So I I worked on a couple of um, theses and dissertations while I was in undergrad. Remember, you worked on a few consulting projects too, slash research projects. I did do that Mm -hmm. with my good friend Marco Tomasi. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You were my favorite research assistant. I am nice. I know. I was always on time. It was convenient you were always around when I needed free help. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You did those, and then, all right, you went to grad school. Where'd you go to grad school? Florida State University. Go Knowles. <laughs> and what'd you do there? What do you mean? <laughs> For education, sweetie. <laughs> uh, I went through the master's program at Florida State University. Um, the way that that program is set up, you can actually be on campus in Panama City, or you can be in Tallahassee, and I chose to be in Tallahassee, and uh, part of our training was that we had an assistantship with a local behavioral consulting firm, and we were placed in various settings. I, um, I actually was placed in a public school where we did behavior reduction and skill acquisition with, we had kids with disabilities that we saw, but we also had typically developing kids that just had behavior problems of all kinds. And then there were other kids that maybe had um, things like ADHD or um, bipolar disorder or something. Or I had a couple of clients who were just really, um, really disorganized or really wiggly. Um, One of my favorites would just sort of get up and dance in the middle of class. I'm sensing a theme. Yeah, seriously, I get everybody that dances. It's hysterical. Um, But this kid would would just hop up and dance whenever the mood struck him. So we had to work on reducing that with him. Um, But and and when you move down, so you're coming from Michigan. um, Obviously, you've been from all over. You're were born and raised part of your childhood in the South. Mm -hmm. We spent several years up in Michigan. Mm -hmm. Aside from just acclimating to the clinical settings and that kind of stuff culture shock in the work setting for sure yeah such as um so it's getting used to a southern accent again after you have rejected it for so long (laughs) is incredibly difficult why would you reject it it's cute it's not cute when everyone makes fun of you for it when you move to Michigan with it. In middle school? In middle school. Middle school's rough. Mean. Middle school's rough. In middle school, they are. Um, but to have to go to suddenly remembering um, how things sound with a southern accent uh, is a little bit tricky. And then maybe you add in some other things that might impede speech and... Plus a southern accent, and that can get really interesting. Like missing teeth that small sure. children are known to be missing at certain, especially early elementary ages. Yeah. They're just, you know, 
was, it was forget fun. the skill acquisition and language acquisition deficiencies that might impede it. Just missing teeth. As we've gone through with our own children, trying to like, what are they yeah, we saying? we have no idea what they're saying when they're missing their front teeth. Not a clue. No, so I, I worked in the schools, and then I also had private home clients that I saw. And uh, that those were, my, those were my main. And then you, you traveled. You had quite the footprint. When we were down in Florida, too, you were all over. You had the schools, you had the home clients. Uh... Oh, I did work in a, in a nursing home, and I uh, worked in a day program for older individuals that had autism. So that was that was very interesting. Do anything on the side professionally while you were down there, in terms of you know outside of the actual therapy and consulting work. Work on any research projects? I did. I worked on Marco Tamasi's <laughs> thesis and dissertation. Yet another thing. Actually, you didn't work on my dissertation. Mm, I think that I was. Think that I scored some data sheets for you. Oh, you did. Never mind. I did. But that was the first one where you were not. A, I was not a data collector though. Not a data collector, one. and you didn't have a senior role, and that's when you started phasing out because of that. And we'll save that for another episode. Uh, but you worked on a few other projects for my, my lab mates and whatnot. I did. You were the popular go-to person for that until you got, um, you started moving up in the company that we were working for and became kind of like the senior go-to person for, uh, discrete trial training and working with kids on the autism spectrum. And they started sending more and more people your way for training. Yeah. I, I had the, um. The fortunate experience of getting to train some undergrads who were brand new to the field of behavior analysis, and I was able to suck them into our field, and they actually have gone on to get their master's degrees and their BCBAs, and they're out working with kids in the world, and it's really, really amazing to me, because that right there shows me that I made a difference. I made a difference in the lives of those undergrads that I worked with, and I made a difference in a roundabout way with their clients because if they had never worked with me they might not have ever gotten to work with those kids oh yeah you know what i loved about that first group mm, i don't know they were like our original set of kids yeah we're, we're very fond so of them. you working with them and them going on and being successful and helping others gives me hope that we might not screw this up with our kids when they're older they might actually be functioning members of society and make a difference themselves <laughs> and we already had a trial run and that trial run went well it did go well i think all of them except for one went on to grad school for I aba i think you're right uh and then a few of them went on for doctorates mm -hmm. and we got a couple mixed in there too who not only didn't just do a master's in aba and go out into the workforce I say just. I mean, that's pretty awesome right there. Deal. That is a big deal. But they then, while they were out there, went on and got a second master's. And we've got some that are still going to school while working, not just being professional students, but are actually have a day job and are working on a third graduate degree or other side certifications. So that whole group was cool. Mm -hmm. They were a lot of fun, and the fact that they all worked for free, too, was That great. was very nice. It was a nice perk. 
you know, the, the one kickback was the end of every term. We had a cookout <laughs> because we didn't have any money. No, so we fed them oysters. Well, up in Michigan, we fed them pasta. Did we? We did because yeah. oysters are, you know, but then we got to Florida and we found out that fresh oysters were They're super very cheap. Very cheap in Florida. So you throw an oyster party, they all get excited for seafood. They bring the alcohol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they bring all the refreshing, you know, the chips, the salsa, the alcohol, the soda, or as they say up in the Midwest, pop. Uh, we provided the oysters. I think it was a half bushel of oysters cost us 15 bucks wash yeah maybe 20 uh actually i think it was 15 i think think one time i got lucky and got a full bushel for 20 and i was like all right 20 bucks i just fed a giant research team and they brought out brought everything else they did but they were a really fun group Mm -hmm. all right so you graduate with your master's we already kind of alluded to it you you continue working at uh this consulting firm Mm-hmm. Then what? Um, then clearly we're not still in Florida. We're not still in Florida. So a couple of years later, after my husband finished his degree and taught for a while, a two, uh, we moved to the Washington D.C. area, and I became a stay-at-home mom. Well, not immediately. You did do some consulting. I did. Did some teleconsulting, um, and you were kind of a go-to subject matter expert for a while. Why am I answering all the questions for you? Other than you don't have your CV in front of you to remind you. I don't. And it's been a long time. It's been a while. You know what it is. We're getting old. No, thank you. You know what it is. It's also, we've had a full day of work and kids, and now we're sitting here sipping whiskey and trying to sound professional. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Look, we... Let's just, we're just being honest. <laughs> you know, it's it's been a long day. It's nice to finish with a nice nightcap. It's true. Yeah. Uh, well, we got the kids. They're nice. Most days. Most days are very lovely. Um, and we have four of them. And they really are delightful. Um, we have a set of Irish twins. Which was super exciting. That's an adventure. We should just make an entire episode of Life with Irish Twins. Make that it's an episode. And then we have two because other ones. There's plenty of twins out there and parents of twins. But Irish twins are. I don't know. I've met they're, they're, a couple of families that have them too. And it's we always have the same story. So we're like, oh, yeah. you did that too. And you're still here. That's amazing. There's some interesting challenges. I've got plenty of friends with um, near Irish twins, and they try to make a big deal. It's like, no, no, no. It's not the same thing as the real Irish twins. Mm-mm. When you know your second kid is home from the hospital and sitting at the table, when your first kid is smashing their first birthday birthday cake, it's kind yeah. of a surreal experience. A little bit, little bit. What we got? We got the kids. You kept doing some work on the side, and then you went off in a different direction for a while. What'd you get into professionally, Jessica? I got into photography. And to be fair, you were like you're doing dabbling photography I mean, for a while. I've always loved photography. If I could have figured out how to make money off of it while I was an undergrad, I might have become an art major and just gone in that direction. But I couldn't figure it out at the time. 
So well, okay. that and the there was like felt like six prereqs. I'm sure I'm exaggerating. Oh, there were. You had to like be able to draw a human in a basket of fruit. You had to be able to draw all kinds of things, and I am terrible at drawing. There were so many prereqs in the art department because they were trying to keep everyone who just was bored taking photography as a elective. Was that that school? Hey, I would have taken photography. It would have been fun. Anyways, so I, I got very into photography and started really um, paying attention to, to what I was taking pictures of and how I was taking them and learning about different lenses and different lighting and different f-stops um, when we had our first child. And I got my first big girl camera and I took a deep dive into that. And fortunately, I had an adorable little model, quickly followed by a second adorable little model, who really couldn't tell me no. So, um, yeah, it just sort of took off from there. Yeah, and once now, they could crawl, they had new and exciting, you had new and exciting expressions for them. Like, do you know what your son, or do you know what your daughter did today? <laughs> they refused to pose for a photo. They crawled off. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. I, was, I used to be very upset about that. Um it was a game to them. It was. But yeah, it's eventually it's it's evolved into a into a side business and I I prefer I like to take pictures of high school seniors because they are so happy and they're so excited about everything that's on the horizon for them and they're just like happy all the time. Are they all the time? All I, the time when I'm taking their pictures they are happy. I could well I just always think of one client you had. Okay. Well, one model you had who. Was... The one exception to the role who. He, would... he was just really. I don't think he wanted to have his picture taken at all. And his mom was insistent. Well, he wanted uh, specific photos taken. He did. He brought a Deadpool belt buckle, which he then insisted on showing off in his pictures and it's honestly one of my favorite things I've ever seen. At least you didn't show up in a bathrobe like that one kid that, that was floating around the internet. That would oh, have been, if that anyone had done it, it would have been, been this kid. kid. Yeah. Yep. He had his medals from robotics and you know he got that picture, but pretty sure the only reason you got smiles is because his mom's behind you. I actually threatened him. him. Oh, I you did. threatened him? I did threaten him. That's hilarious. I, we were on the beach the sun was setting, and I was like, dude, you got to smile now. You have to do it. The sun is there. The light is perfect. It's, now is the time. And he just sort of said, hmm, I don't want to. And I looked at him, and I said, if you do not smile now, your mother is going to pay another photographer to take your pictures, and you will have to do this all over again. Boy, did his face light up in a smile after that. <laughs> Oh, I miss that specific kid. He used to be one of my uh, kids on the track and the cross country team that I coach, and he could be a pain in my butt too. And he was, you know, the worst was one time that he'd been goofing off in the weight room before uh, a meet, and we're there, and it's one of the early meets in the season, and um. I guess he banged his, he was doing box jumps or something. He banged his leg on the box or something. I don't know. I was trying to get the team loaded and round up because I've got varsity in middle school. And get them all loaded on the bus. And he comes down, he's rubbing his chin. He's like, ah, oh, right, getting on the bus. So they go and he's running, he's varsity. He's running the 5K. I'm at the two mile mark taking splits. And I keep in mind, like, especially at this course, 
I was able to get to all the mile markers. Sometimes it's not physically possible to get the split for the first runner, wait for the last runner to come through, and then get to the mile marker for the next one. But this was a small team, and it was a coach-friendly course. So the mile marker, he's he's on his target. He's running fine. And then, you know, at the two-mile, he runs by, and he makes a face, and then he just rolls over on his side. <laughs> he's like, oh, coach, I'm done. My leg hurts. And he starts running in place, like, on his side in the grass. And we're on we're on a local golf course, so it's like, you know, it's not like we're out in Poison Ivy or something. We're in the first cut of rough. But with all the other coaches standing there. So embarrassing. <laughs> and at the same time, it's kind of like how you feel about your own kid. It's like, you're both hilarious, and I love you. But you're a little shit, and uh, I could kill you right now. <laughs> I am so embarrassed. But it's still a funny story. It's like, you know, and uh, I still, like, run it into that guy every so often. Uh, I'm, you know, we we occasionally have track meets and cross-country meets up towards uh, where he's going to college. And he'll show up, and uh, it's great to see him. And I will never forget the meet that he just... He didn't even collapse and like hold his shin. <laughs> he roll. He just kind of like tips over on his side, like a little Lego man. Just tips over, like uh, with our number one son who was shooting uh, stop motion uh, movies today, and his little Lego guys kept just falling over because he didn't have one of the plates down to hold them. They were just in the carpet. And this guy does the exact same thing. Like he's running the grass, and all of a sudden, like Arr! boom, <laughs> clonk, and then lay there, and then the legs keep going. And it's like. Oh my god. <laughs> really, dude? We won't say his name to protect his identity, but if he ever hears this, he'll know it's him, and so will all his teammates, which luckily it was a very small team tiny, back then. Very oh. tiny team. Oh yeah. We'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. But, back to you with photography. Right, so I take pictures of seniors graduating from high school, and I take uh, family portraits. I love working with the families. They're so cute. I like to see their interactions and their family dynamics come out and how they, how they, kids can be very unpredictable during photo shoots and sometimes. During photo shoots? Okay, kids are always unpredictable, but they can be very unpredictable during photo shoots. And sometimes they get a little rambunctious and sometimes they do wildly inappropriate things. And I I really (laughs) like to see how parents handle that when it comes up. And and just to kind of going with this theme of where we're going with this whole podcast of we've been there, we've done that, we will fess up to it that we're not perfect. Have we ever had a child do something inappropriate during a photo shoot? We have. It was horrible. So do you want me to tell the story? Sure. This is this is fantastic. People love it. We were having our family pictures taken um, as part of a uh, like a it was the church directory. Thank you, the church directory. So every single family in the entire church community had to come and get their pictures taken by their preferred photographer. Not not our per- no per- the the, the church's preferred photographer. Yeah. And so we spent. You are a, for our family. You right are our preferred photographer. I, I do take our pictures. It's better that way because of this. Um, <laughs> so at the time we only had three kids. And our middle child 
really, at that point, just absolutely hated having his picture taken. He would not cooperate. He would run screaming. He would do anything he could think of to get out of taking a picture. So he spent, I think, maybe two weeks before the photo shoot explaining to him what we were going to go and do, giving him a timeline so he knew what to expect, telling him things that he could expect to see. Um, and we had decided that he would bring this special train with and he could hold it in the picture. As long as he smiled, he could hang on to this train. So the day of the photo shoot arrives and we get to the church and the photographer is running about 45 minutes late. And they tell us, oh, you can just hang out in the lobby until it's your turn. So we showed up, we had three very happy children and they spent that 45 minutes running laps around the lobby. By the time it was our turn, they were exhausted, they were hungry, and they were ready to go home. And a tad bit sweaty. And very sweaty. And we said, no, it's finally our turn to take a picture. We're going to go in there, we're going to sit, we're going to smile, and this is going to be amazing. And our middle son said, no, I'm not taking a picture. And we said, yes, we'll take this picture. So we pull him in there, and he immediately falls on, the photographer is busy, like, posing my husband, he's posing our daughter and our, our youngest son and I am trying desperately to get our little kid to stand up and just hold still in the right spot with me so that we can take this picture. Doesn't want to do it. So I take him out into the lobby and I tell him very sternly, you are going to take this picture because it's very important to the church and it's super important to grandma and grandpa on both sides. They want to have this picture of us. So we're going to make it happen. And he said, okay. I got him calm. He was not crying. We get in there. The photographer poses him. He stays. The photographer gets behind his camera, takes one squinty look at us and says, oh, wait, there's a train in the picture. Comes over and snatches the train out of our son's hands. Our son had a full-on meltdown at that point. The photographer decided to take the train and put it on his own head behind the camera in the hopes that that would somehow help the situation and it did not it made our son even more angry and uh at that point our son decided to pull his pants down and take his penis out in the picture and the photographer stopped and he said i can't take this picture and meanwhile the rest of us had no idea that this had happened because we're all looking at the camera and smiling nicely. And you and I have got the WTF, bro. What, We're like, what? take the picture, dude. The We're picture. all standing here. And uh, he said, no, look at your son. And we turn around and, and there he is with his pants down. I said, oh, that's Ooh, not good. It's a so full moon tonight. Quickly pulled up his pants, took him back out into the lobby, talked to him a little bit more. And then we brought him back in and it is the worst picture we've ever taken as a family in my entire life because at that point all three kids started crying <laughs> not one of those pictures turned out well they're crying we're mortified every all five of us at that point are exhausted because mm -hmm. it's like you know let's go let's get this photo done let's have and then we'll go to dinner so now we're like well past dinner mm -hmm. oh kids yeah, that's <laughs> not one of my most favorite memories. Yeah. I think that's the last time we were in a photo studio because what kind of studio photography do you do, Jessica? I do natural light photography, which means 
all of my photo shoots are on location. And generally, it's the location of my client's choice. So we are often on the beach. We're in a park. Um, I even go to my clients' houses and we'll take pictures in their backyards. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And then, so you've, you're a behavior analyst. You're certified. You're licensed in the state of Michigan, which yes, we live I in Michigan. just got my uh, LBA. So that's a really big deal. Well, to be fair, me. Michigan just passed it, They too. did just pass licensure for behavior analysts. You've been certified since... 2007. Awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're not new to that field. You're a photographer. you got a photography business. You're a mom. You're a wife. Mm-hmm. We've been married for a while. We've it's been a couple years. for even longer. <laughs> um, and then here we are. We're doing this blog, and it's centered around health and wellness. You know, and part of that, a big part of that is diet and exercise. So let's dive into your least favorite topic ever. Health and wellness and exercise and diet. Great. Great. So, you know, before I was talking about like everyone, at least I, I won't say everyone, I'll say I hate listening to exercise advice from someone who has been skinny and in shape their entire life and you know, they may have been varying degrees of buff, buff, buffer, even buffer, um, you know, but having gone through the struggles of trying to lose weight, I'm losing, trying to lose huge amounts of weight uh, and do a complete revamping of their lifestyle to change things. Uh, and for us, you know, let me put it this way, Jess. When did you run your first 5K? What, what, what sports did you do growing up? We'll start I, with there. I played softball, and I took swimming lessons. That was... Oh, and one year I did play soccer, but I hated it. I absolutely hated it. So that, that was, just was it the whole, like, no hands thing? No, it was because it's a stupid sport. And you just <laughs> run in after a ball, and you kick it into a net, and I thought it was so incredibly boring. <laughs> So, I'm sorry, soccer fans. Everyone has an opinion about a sport. Mm -hmm. um, you're welcome to, to hate that one. <laughs> uh, no, but that was all. That was pretty much all I did for sports uh, growing what'd up. What did you do in college? Um, for exercise and working out. Sometimes I would go to the gym. And not very often, though. Usually I would do crunches in my dorm room. That was about it. You and I went and played racquetball a few times, but we had to give that up because you're so competitive. I am very competitive. Anytime I, I got ahead, you just got mad at me. I don't like to lose. And I don't really like having my then-girlfriend, now-wife, mad at me. So It's not fun for either of us. No. And I was better at it than you. Just going on record with that. Hmm. Um, all right, so you weren't a runner growing up. No, I actually really hated running. I can remember... Um, in gym class in like middle school and high school, I would always be the last one to finish doing the mile run that was required to pass the class. And I used to like finish it in tears and I would be huffing and puffing. And it was just the worst thing I could ever think of. I'm not kidding. No, I believe it really it. was the worst. I've run with you. I believe it, it. It actually kind of is still the worst thing. I don't, I don't really run. Um, no, so we, I decided I was uh, 
on the internet one day and I saw a post about this thing called the color run and I read about it and it turned out that it's a 5k and every, at every kilometer they throw colors on you and it's amazing and so I saw it and I was like yes I want to do this these pictures will turn out amazing um and so I said Marco we are gonna sign up for this 5k we're gonna do it and he said yes finally my wife wants to run and oh I don't actually want to run I just want to go and do it we'll walk it and secretly I was kind of like great because all I can do at this point in my life is waddle yeah um, so we did it, and it was really, really fun. I think I, I jogged a little bit. Do you remember how old you were? N- no. Do you remember what kind of shape you were in? Oh, I think that I was like... I was five months pregnant with our third kid. Yeah, that was exciting. So I ran a little bit, but I mostly walked. We got sweaty enough where the color stuck to us. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The pictures did turn out gorgeous. They're great. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend that. If, if you're going to do your very first 5K, the color run is the way to go because you will have an absolute blast. And now they've incorporated. Well, wait, full disclosure is color run sponsoring us in any way? No, they're not. Um, so that's just an honest opinion. Of yeah, it. but no, really, it's, it's so much fun. They've got uh, colors and now they've got unicorns and glitter, and the whole thing is just a giant. I think it's called the Runicorn. Is he called a runicorn? I don't know. Got some stupid name for him. It's a unicorn. We've gotten into it. We've gotten to the point where now our kids come with us to these. Yeah. It's right up their alley. They think it's so much fun. Um, we didn't do one last year. We did one we before. The there year. wasn't a good time. They yeah. came at a different time. We weren't in town. But you know, our oldest loves it, and I think uh, kid number three, the one you were pregnant with at the time, his first five k. He was four years old. To be fair, his older brother was supposed to fill in for him, but got sick, so he jumped in and took that that spot. But he did his first 5K at four mm-hmm. in under 45 minutes. He did. And he it, ran the whole thing. It was amazing. It was so funny because I was with him the whole time, and like you know, and even now, I mean, no matter when you how much you train, you go to these things, and there's some like 90 year old woman who passes you, yep. or some little, the little kids who run, walk, run, walk, pass you and beat you. Or I was in one race, a dude with one leg beat me <laughs> and like just blew past me. I'm like, oh my, I'm like, you go, you go, you do you because you're just completely beating the pants off of me. Um, but uh, Mr. Man, our little number three kid. Um, and yes, we're going out of our way not to name our children on this podcast. Yeah. But uh, he just, he was four, he did it in under 45 minutes. Uh, it a nice little training anecdote that I could throw out there to my runners going, you know, I've got kids who will start and, you know, do these things. And I'm like, coach, I was going really hard today. I'm like, no, you weren't. My four-year-old goes faster than that. Now, for some kids, I won't throw that out there to the kids who are just learning how to do a 5K. Yeah. But the ones who can do it in like 30 minutes or 20 minutes, it's like, I know what the pace is, guys. If the four-year-old is doing it at a faster pace with you and he's got little legs. He's tiny legs. And I know you're capable of going, doing a 21-minute 5K. No, 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 no. Uh, you know, wasn't born <clears throat> yesterday. But since then, that, that was your first uh, 5K. The mm-hmm. color run at five months pregnant. 
then what? Come on, just give us a, the kind of rundown. I mean, we did a whole bunch of fun runs. I Marco really wanted to keep doing 5Ks, and so he started throwing out all of these like super serious runs that I can't remember the names of right now because they were not interesting to me. And in hindsight, neither of us had any business doing those because we were so out of shape. We did not. Um, but he, you know, I said, I, I really don't want to do that. I'm, I'm worried that people will make fun of me because I'm not a runner and I suck at this. Um, so find find some more runs like the color run, and he did. He found a whole bunch of them. So we did, um, we did the glow run. The, oh, the glow, electric run. The electric run. We did the we did a luau glow run at one point. We did. That was, fun. That was a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, and then we did something called the water run, and that was drenched run. The, yes, drenched. That was cool. Um, I, I don't know. There were just like a whole bunch of fun runs that we could go and do and nobody was super serious they kept time but it wasn't a big deal and it was just a fun way for us to get outside together sometimes he and I would go um by ourselves and sometimes we would bring our kids and it was a fun thing to do sometimes we brought the kids because it was fun thing to do with the family and sometimes we brought the kids because we didn't have a babysitter out in DC that we trusted we did not or it's like I guess the kids are coming in a stroller that I'm gonna push Which then I get an excuse to go slow. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, go, Dad, go. You go, you Dad. You can do it. You can do it, Dad. It's more like, because I probably looked like I was going to die hauling, pushing a stroller During with two kids in it. During the run, you did look like you were going to die, because that one was in the middle of a farm, and the ground was uneven, and then they were blasting us with fire hoses full of icy well, cold water. Well, I know I was, like, crazy overweight. And, yeah. Yeah, and the double stroller with the two, two bigs was... Hard. Through shaggy, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a jogging stroller. It had big wheels. It had shocks. But we were going off-road with it. And through deep grass, it was dragging. And then through foam and fire hoses. And what else did we go through? I don't know. But squirt at the end, us. You, yeah. So with that run, you could bring a squirt gun. And then you could shoot people with it on the, on the course. So that was fun. That was fun with but, Kid 1 and Kid 2 had squirt guns in the stroller so as i pushed them uh they were sniping other runners yep. with the squirt guns it was great yeah it was pretty funny um and then at the end they had a massive water balloon fight so things like that will always get me to sign up for exercising well what did that lead into over time we went from all these fun runs that we still both love yeah um now uh, it, it led into aqua bikes the two legs of a triathlon. Um, I don't. I really don't. And clarify, aqua bike. Are we wearing? You're using those special bikes you see at resorts that are like a tricycle with the big and air-filled tires. No, this is not a bike that you stick in the water that you then pedal. Everybody thinks that, but that's not what it is. Um, this is you. You go and you swim in the lake, or you swim in the pool, or wherever it is. And then once you get out of the water, then you hop on your bike and ride your bike for X amount of miles. And then after you do your biking, instead of continuing on with the run, you're just done. You get to swim and you get to bike and then you're done and it's great. And why might somebody want to do that instead of a full triathlon? Because they suck at running. (laughs) That's why. Like me. I suck at running. I think the PC answer is both that and (laughs) also... They might not be physically up to running. They might have a knee or hip ailment. Yeah, it is. It is. The, the aqua bikes is really good. Or they good just suck for, at running. 
people with knee and hip injuries um, because this allows them to be physically active, but it doesn't exacerbate problems that they might already have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the correct answer. It is, but <laughs> I love your answer. My answer stands. <laughs> I hate to run. I don't want to do that part of a triathlon, and so I do aqua bikes. Have you ever done that part of the triathlon? The running? Yeah. I did. This past summer, I did my first full triathlon, although it wasn't an actual triathlon. It was a... Did it have three legs? It did have three legs. By definition, that's a triathlon. Was it, it a standard triathlon? It was not. It was a it was a chi tri. So instead of swimming, you paddled in a kayak, and then you did the biking, and then you did the running, which I did not do the running. I did the walking. Mm-hmm. You finished. I finished. That's the important and that part. That is the important part. I did not die. I was not completely hysterical when I finished. Um, I finished, and it was great. And I'm very proud of myself for finishing. I'm proud of you, too. Mm-hmm. What was across the finish line? My husband. And? Beer. Yeah. And burritos. And breakfast burritos. They were warm, too. Warm breakfast burritos and cold beer. And I was there, too, holding. No, I wasn't holding your medal. I was holding. I was holding your medal because I was looking around for you. And the the race organizers knew that my wife was out there. And then just, of course, as you round the corner coming into the home stretch, they start handing out awards. And somehow I ended up on the podium for that. Um, mainly because there weren't a lot of people in my age group. It is a benefit. Whatever. You're actually very good at doing triathlons. It's mildly annoying. Uh, getting better. Of course, now I'm aging up into like the most crowded age groups for a lot of those. Mm-hmm. And those people are in shape. Yeah, they are. It's impressive. I think you it's impressive. You know what? And a lot of them, you look at them, it's like, you most likely were never out of shape. Yeah, that's true. You were probably a little bit less in shape. It's all right. It's on. Take it as a challenge. I like challenges. Uh, yeah, so I know you like challenges, too. I do like challenges. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, anything else about yourself that you want to add before we go? We're almost out of time. Mm-hmm. In terms of trying to keep this short enough where people can do it while they're on the treadmill or on their stationary bike or stuck in the car, stuck on the metro. I can't think of anything else. Well, we've got plenty of other episodes to get into things. For sure. Not only that, you know, there's only so much whiskey you can drink in one night. That is also true. Don't drink too much whiskey in one night. All things in moderation. Having a nice drink with your wife or husband. It's very nice. It's very nice. It's a very different than going on a bender and binge drinking. (laughs) Probably shouldn't do that. No, not especially when you... Who knows, at any given moment, one of the four kids could wake up. I threw up. I peed in my bed. Always a good time. You never know what's going to happen. I don't know. So-and-so's talking in their sleep. We haven't had any sleepwalkers. We haven't had that. Which been a surprise to me. I thought we did at least one of them that did no, that. No, we get the tattletales that come and so-and-so's talking in their sleep. Really? They're in a different room on the other end of the house. Go to bed. Mm-hmm. Oh. We love our children. We do. They really are delightful. All right. Well, with that, uh, again, we have much more to discuss. We still haven't even gotten into one. Who am I? Uh, And also talking about the Red Arrow Challenge. Uh, We will be getting into that in the next few podcasts. 
And then from there, uh, it's going to be a fun adventure. Hopefully you will join us. Uh, but with that, Jess, it's been fun. This has been very fun. Thanks. Have a good time. Bye.